0: These are the sounds of Formula One racing. We all know that life is a race, but for a select few, the race becomes their life. In the world of professional racing, where success is measured in milliseconds, the path to glory is long and arduous. Today, I speak to one such person who lives in this vast lane. He's a 22-year-old professional race car driver who hails from the UK. Well, we have a very special guest on the program today. I'm thrilled to welcome Inam Ahmad, who is a British-Pakistani professional race car driver who competes in the Indy Pro 2000 Championship Series. Inam, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm thrilled to have you on the show. And I just wanted to first begin with understanding, you know, where did this passion for driving come from? I know we all love to drive cars, but, you know, it takes a a different level of passion to pursue it.
1: Well, you know, I was very, very lucky from a young age that you know I tried a lot, of, a lot of different sports. But uh, my my father's friend took me to a go karting track, and uh, and I really liked it straight away. And and then you know I said to my parents, I didn't say I wanted to be a Formula One driver, but I said, you know I would like <laughs> to race go karts. And you know, especially being from a South Asian uh, family, usually they would tell me, "There, yeah, well, usually they would probably say no." but my parents said if this is really what you want to do we will we'll support you and we'll let you do it but i don't think they thought that it would go as far as it did so so you know my 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 mom actually was the one that pushed my father to let me race my dad didn't necessarily want to do it in the beginning and then uh, i started racing and then I, I i built my way up through i started in local go-kart races uh, in north london And then it grew from there. Then as I built my skills and experience, then by the time I was, so I started when I was around eight, nine, by the time I was 11, 12, I uh, was racing in the British go-karting championship, uh, which I won. And then uh, when I won the British championship, then the next big thing is to race in Europe. Europe, European karting is so hard. It's so aggressive, it's Absolutely, so yeah. brutal, it's scary. Like when I first went there and I did my first race in Europe, you, I swear you have like, uh, in the final race, you, there's like thousands of kids that tell them to do the race. And then it's like a knockout format. And then by the time you get to the Sunday, you've got the final 50, 5-0 of the best drivers racing to win the race. And it's like war, like everyone's crashing and it's just, an, it's, it's like a really scary. So you have to build a lot of aggression. So I went to Europe when I was 13. We're racing. The, the hub of European karting is mainly in Italy. So when I was 13, I was spending a lot of time in Italy, um, and I was racing for a British team, uh, Ricky Flynn, at the time, uh, and he his team was phenomenal, uh, and they helped me to build my skills in go karting. Uh, and then by the end of my first season in european go-karting championship so th- so i don't know if you know much about formula one but when i when it was my first year in european karting it was me Lando norris uh Yu zoom and mick schumacher we were all racing we were all well lando was a bit older he was 14 we were all 13. and then also in the senior category that year uh, was Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc racing I heard the, as well. I heard those names, yeah. Yes, so we were all there. We were all racing. It was very competitive, very, very competitive. I was in the junior category with Schumacher. Uh, Leclerc and Verstappen were in the senior category. So I came to the World Championship when I was 13, my first ever karting World Championship. It's usually a one-off race at the end of the year. And it was in Bahrain that year. And, uh, and I put it on pole in my first ever time in the world championship. I didn't win the race. My lack of experience didn't allow me to win the race. <laughs> but then I did uh, another year in 2014. And then with all my experience and I used my speed and my talent, in 2014, I won uh, the world and European go-karting championship. And that really put me on the map in motorsport. Because then everyone looks at go-karting to see who's the best young kid to bring up all the way to Formula 1. And then from go-karting, I went to car racing, went to Formula 4, Formula 3. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go to Formula 2 because racing, as you know, requires money. You need sponsorship, especially in European racing. In America, it's different. If you win, they give you the funding and they allow you to follow your dream, which is why I ended up coming to America.
0: Right. Was it after go-karting that you kind of knew that this was the career path that you wanted or even before then?
1: Uh. No, it was when I started go karting. I knew this is what I wanted to do. But it was seeing Lewis Hamilton win the World Championship in Brazil in 2008. I remember that's what got me into motorsport. And then when I did it, um, this was I knew this is what I wanted to do. This is what I was born to do. And I felt like I was at home when I sat in a kart, a go kart, or a racing car. This is what I'm meant to do. And I have no fear, no nothing. I just go. Awesome. And I really like it.
0: So I know there's a huge Pakistani population in UK. My cousins live in Bradford. Uh, yeah. How was what was the reception that you got from the South Asian community? Not just Pakistanis, but Indians, you know, Bangladeshi's, and you know, how how, how support? Yes, no.
1: To be, no. To be honest, no. I was not very well known because. I think not many South Asians are into motorsport mm. only recently because of drive to survive and all these things that formula one and racing is getting more popular. Otherwise no one really cared. Yeah. It's you know? cricket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cricket or literally anything else apart from motorsport. And, yeah. you know, especially being a very white dominated sport. Uh, it's not a very diverse sport at all. And being one of the only people of color in motorsport or definitely, definitely in American racing and, and in Europe as well, you know, it doesn't, allow people to relate or watch to it, but it's getting better now. Yeah. So you know, that's also a reason why. Talk about
0: the, so now you're racing in the Indy Pro 2000 championships. Tell our viewers and our listeners the difference between that versus formula one versus the British formula championships. What are the different, you know, what are the differences and ha- so, ha- yeah, how do you adjust?
1: So, um, when I was racing in Europe, my full goal was to go to Formula One. So I raced. Uh, I won British Formula Three Championship in a in a Formula Three car. Uh, then I went to the European F three, and uh, those were the best, some of the best cars I ever drove. Uh, that championship, Max Verstappen went from European F three directly to Formula One. That's how high level championship that was. And then um, I won races in European Formula Three, and then unfortunately I ran out of money after European yeah. Formula Three. I had uh, no funding, no sponsorship anymore. Because, um, you know, which is surprising. I thought that whether it's from the South Asian community or even from the Muslim community, I thought that we would be able to get some funding for me to at least go to Formula 2 to show what I can do. But unfortunately, uh, not. Even though I was the only driver, especially the only driver that won major championships, there was none. And then when I looked at other drivers, whether they were from Mexico or South America uh, Japan, you know, they had their countries, their country's major oil companies or you know manufacturing companies sponsoring them. With me, it wasn't like that. So then, even though I won British Formula Three Championship, I won the most races ever in history in British Formula Three. Um, I still couldn't. I never drove a Formula Two car, so I never, I never got to go to Formula Two. Then I went to go race in Japan. So I raced in Japan for one year. Well, I enjoyed racing over there. I lived in Tokyo by myself. <laughs> For a year when I was 19. Yeah, I was there. And, uh, I was there for
0: two years actually. I oh, there. There. oh yeah, yeah. So you know what it's like? I know what it's like.
1: Yeah. You know what it's like? It's like very different. Very. And, you know, I mean, while I enjoyed racing there, you know, it's very, you don't socialize much when you're there, when you're a Gaijin, when you're a foreigner. Yeah. You know what it's like. It's very hard to really make friends there. So I knew it's not where I wanted to be really for the rest of my life. And then I got a random call to come to America. And then I was like, okay, let's go. And then I love racing in America. Yeah. So imagine in Europe, you know, even when you win championships, you don't get prize money or funding to help you go further up the ranks, which is not good, in my opinion. In America, I've joined something called the Road to Indy. So my goal here is to race an IndyCar, which, as you know, is the top racing series in America, the Indianapolis yeah. 500. You know, it's like the rival to Formula One. And why America is really good is because if you win the championships, like Indy Pro 2000, Indy Lights... Uh, they give you the full funding to do the following season and to progress up. Well, in Europe, even if you won, you didn't get anything. So you couldn't that, move up.
0: That's interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm surprised with all the success that you attained in, in the British Formula Series IndyCart. Um, you weren't able to attract the sponsors, even the local British sponsors. I'm uh, surprised. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I, mean, I,
1: used to, yeah. I used to actually race under the British flag, but uh, this year I changed it. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's not because of the funding or anything like that. It's because when I was racing under a British flag, I won a, world champ- I won a FIA World Championship for the UK. I won a European Championship. I won a Formula Three Championship under the British flag. And it's not that I didn't feel appreciated, but I didn't feel like I was representing who I really am and who my people are. Right. Whether you look, whether I was born in Britain or not, at the end of the day, you look at me, I'm brown, I'm Pakistani, this is who I really am and uh i decided as america was a fresh start for me i decided that you know what i might lose some sponsors because of it but i don't really care D- this is who i am so i decided to change my flag and uh, represent uh pakistan and uh there is no really ma- hardly any south asians <laughs> in motorsport you know especially uh-huh. in america
0: But listen, but that is kind of a niche market that you have within the population, right? Uh, Within the Pakistani community. And it's huge in the US, right? I mean, if you look at proportion wise, and there are tons of businesses and entrepreneurs who would love to kind of, you know, back you. So I know that it's probably a positive move. So, you know,
1: I think the thing is with, with, with sponsorship or things like that, it's very, it's as hard or as easy as you want it to be. It just takes one guy or one big company that just is passionate and just will do it. That's it. And then that's it or it's like you're you know you're busting your balls for like years and you never get anywhere you know it's, yeah. it's how it is but that's not just with sponsorship that's with every business in the world you know it just takes one little and racing as well it just takes one little thing and then then boom then it oh it was easier than you thought yeah Ooh, come. absolutely
0: Hello. absolutely so i read about the current um racing team that you're racing for that's a british racing
1: company right no no home is actually an Argentinian. argentine okay sorry okay so they're, they're south american and they're phenomenal team. So Ricardo Juncos um, is a team boss. He came to America 20 years ago as a go-kart mechanic and worked his way up to now having a full racing team and IndyCar team. The guy is a, is a, is a beast. I never seen someone is so intense and works so hard in my life. And I love working for him. And, um, and you know it's great because when I joined the team, I looked at the car and I was like, uh, <laughs> oh, the car's green and white. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. perfect. <laughs> perfect that, you know, and everyone thinks like oh he's wearing the pakistan colors no it's just that's the team colors and and that when i saw the green and white i said i have to put the number 47 for the year of independence
0: absolutely absolutely
1: 1947 so that's my green and white car with the number 47
0: <laughs> that's awesome talk about the um so you're you're, you're you're part of this team did you have to qualify or did they call you say hey and um we'd love to be for you to be part of this group you know
1: They, I know, actually, I I sent Ricardo Juncos, the team boss. I sent him my CV end of last year. And then we were talking a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, oh, we're probably not going to do Indy Pro 2000 next year because we're going to IndyCar. I was like, thank you very much. I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden, last race of the year, he calls me and he's like, our driver is pulling out and uh, there'll be a spare seat. A Mexican driver, Suleiman, he was pulling out in mid Ohio which was actually where we were just racing. (laughs) End of last year in October, I was like, and I hadn't driven. I pretty much hadn't raced in two years properly. So I was a bit rough around the edges, to to say the least. And then I jumped in and I knew I was going to be rough around the edges. So in the dry, I struggled a little bit to get up to speed. It's a very hard track to learn. We got one practice straight to qualifying. So I was around like sixth or seventh in the first qualifying. But luckily that weekend, we had two qualifyings. So the next day was qualifying too. So I learned everything from the day before and it rained. Ooh. And as soon as it rained, I knew this is my chance to show what I can do. And I qualified second in the rain. And then the race, I led the whole race until the very, very end where I just lost it. And I came second and I beat my teammate who'd been racing the whole year and, and winning races for them. And it was my first time. So then they signed me on for a full year, which was this year. Got it. Got it.
0: So, I mean, when I look at racing, um, I think of it as a, like a two-component kind of a, a sport, not just a skill, but complete mental awareness and mental fortitude. How do you prepare for a race season, let alone individual races?
1: Very good question. Uh, motorsport is on the limit of human and machine capacity. It is a sport where yeah, it's very intense mentally, physically, requires a lot of bravery and the, you have to put a lot of energy, not only to yourself, but to your machine that you've entrusted your life with. So, and you have to find a way to get that car really fast. Uh, what I uh, have learned over the years, when I was younger, I was a bit more, um, you could say temperamental with my head. I was very fast, very quick, but I was a little bit too emotional. I think being South Asian, we tend to be more emotional than other ethnicities in general. So once I realized that I learned and figured out ways how to control my emotions, especially, especially being Pakistani, we're very hot-blooded. And, you know, and you, whether you realize it or not, these things get passed down genetically. I really believe that. And I, over the years, I found out ways how to use that to my, my advantage and to also control it. So now I'm 22 years old. I'm yeah. a lot more level-headed and, um, Karma when I have adversity or things like that, but I use the hot blooded, the 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 aggression uh, from being South Asian to my advantage when I'm on the track when I need to. It's c- controlled aggression. That's how I call it. It's it's it. You know, everyone can be aggressive, but you have to learn how to control it and use it at the right times. And that's the biggest thing I've learned.
0: That's a great takeaway. And and how do you like? Um reconcile the long seasons. It's not just one race. A a whole season could be a series of races weekend after weekend. Um, Physically, it takes a toll on your body, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I I really tell you. I mean, especially in American racing, I have to have become so much stronger in the upper body, in my shoulders, my neck, because in Europe, in Formula One, Formula One car has something called power steering. Power steering is hydraulic assisted steering, uh, which makes it very light. Like in a road car, when you drive your normal car, it's very easy to turn the steering wheel because it's uh, assisted by hydraulics. That's why. If it was not assisted, it would be very heavy. In IndyCar and in American racing, you have no power steering. It's direct. No power assistance at all. So it's extremely heavy, and you have to get, be extremely strong. And yeah. even me, I'm still not as strong as I want it to be. I still get really a lot of fatigue in my shoulders during the race because it's just so damn heavy, the, the car. And it only gets heavier as you go to Indy Lights and IndyCar. Um, that's one thing. You know, it takes me like two, three days after a race weekend for my body to recover, my adrenaline glands to to recover, my my mental to my mind to recover. Like it's brain dead for like two, three days afterwards time. And because in that whole weekend, you're putting so much mental energy and such a high level of focus into those three, four days. It's like you're you've got everything, you're so it's like you're stressed, but like not in a bad way. You're stressed and you're fully lit. Like your mind is like on like 150% the whole weekend. And um, it's an amazing feeling to be fully lit and alert like that. But when you come down off that, you really hits you how much energy you use. And then you, you're like dead. <laughs> like three So
0: would you say that's probably the most challenging aspect of being a driver, just getting prepared mentally?
1: And resetting. So in in racing, you're always going to have hard times. You never – racing is machine and man. It's never going to be perfect, either you or your machine. So having the mental strength to be tough and to reset after every hard time you have, whether it's a bad session, bad qualifying, bad race weekend, or consistently having bad races, to keep resetting and going again, going again, going again without letting that disturb you, that's hard. And that's something that I've learned over the years, how to do it. Before, I was not that good at that. But now, you know, I've learned with age and with experiences on how to control that and keep resetting and keep fighting. You always got to keep going and never give up because this is, you know, I live for this sport. This is what I do. It's what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I played. So that's how I been.
0: I never raced, but I know playing sports in high school, my coaches always said, you have to have amnesia as an athlete. Forget about yeah. losing. Forget about it. the next game, the next tournament. Focus on that, right? So. Exactly. You're 100%
1: right. All sports like that.
0: All sports, yeah. What's your biggest accomplish- accomplishment in your young career so far? Tell me what's the most memorable for you.
1: I'd say probably winning the World and European Karting Championship in the same year. No one had ever done that wow. at the time. Uh, and I was the youngest to do it at 14 years old. Uh, and why it was amazing is because the guys i were racing like a lot of them are in f1 now and a lot of them i had beaten earlier in my career uh and a lot of them but they all deserve to be there they're not bad drivers all very very good and they're all good friends of mine you know it's nice to know that when you race these people you could not only could you race them and keep them honest you could beat them that's a nice thing to know um and also, you know, winning British Formula 3 was quite good. But being there's nothing like being a world champion to say you've been a world champion. I, I was a world champion at 14 years old, that's an FIA amazing. world champion. I was the official champion of the world in go-karting, you know, undisputed at the time. So, and that's an amazing feeling, you know.
0: So what's your next path from Indy Pro 2000? Is it next year that you want to uh, climb to the next level, which is the uh, exactly. Indianapolis?
1: Uh, my, my next uh, uh, category I want to move up to is called the Indie Lights. Indy Lights is the category just below IndyCar. If you imagine IndyCar is Formula 1, Indy Lights is Formula 2, Indy Pro is Formula 3. So my goal is to go to Indy Lights next year uh, and, you know, win the championship, obviously, and and race in that. You know, the cars are going to be way faster. They're like 500 horsepower, way bigger. They do over 200 miles an hour. And, you know, man, they have a lot of cornering speed and a lot of downforce and aerodynamic grip. So it'll be a big change, but that's what I would like to do.
0: Talk about that change going from Indy Pro to the next level then. The cars right now, what is the typical speed, top speed that you get to? Uh,
1: um, Indy Pro maximum we can get to is about 160 miles per hour, yeah. I'd say. That's still um, pretty they're, sick. They're, they're, <laughs> That's pretty sick. They, don't have, they have downforce, but not a lot. Like yeah. They have like quite a bit, but not a lot. It's a simple car. It's a school car, basically. Right. Um, it's designed to be more on the simple side. Indy Lights is like turbocharged, 450 to 500 horsepower, massive wings, massive tires, massive downforce, very light, and you know it's animal. It's really animal that car, and it'll be a big change because you have to, you have to find within yourself the bravery to get to the limit of a new, much faster car, and that that's not easy all the time to do.
0: It's funny that uh, a professional race car drivers, you have so much at your disposal with 500, 600 horsepower, crazy machines. When you're driving normally on public roads, there's nothing that can satisfy your appetite then, right? Unless you're driving a 911 GT2 or 3, right?
1: To be honest, on road cars, I don't like supercars that much. They don't really turn me on or anything like that. What I like is a car that can do everything. So a car that's fast, got four doors, practical, (laughs) and is very well balanced. And if you want to power slide it, you can. So for me, the, the best road car for me I have ever driven so far is a uh, BMW M3. I love that car. That's an amazing car. Yeah, most it's got of... four doors, practical, you know, can have your family with you uh very fast. And it's got luxury, great sound systems. It's got everything you need. I love cars where you could do everything, versatile. And it's, when you drive it and you push it in the corners, it's got a very good balance. Very, very good balance. I really like that car.
0: I'm surprised you didn't say M5, four-door.
1: M5, too big. Too
0: big. M5 okay.
1: too big because when you've got that car in a power slide and you're drifting, for example, when the cars are that big and long, you can still power slide it, but it's a lot more difficult and it's a lot easier for things to go wrong because there's a lot more weight Yeah, that's going to carry you into a spin. You right, know what right. I mean? Yeah. The M3 is a little bit smaller, so it's much more fun and easier to power slide. You can get bigger slides.
0: Absolutely. And also
1: the M5 now has a bit too much power. The M3 has got around 500 now, I think they've got. Yeah. Uh, and that... Um, that, that's perfect. So you don't need any more than that. Trust me on the road. Yeah,
0: not on public roads. I get it. Uh, talk about living in the US. So, you know, you, is this is the first time you've been here for racing purposes and talk about likes, dislikes. What do you think?
1: Uh, it's my first time ever in the US as well. I never even thought about coming here, uh, let alone to visit. And, you know, it took me time to adapt. As you know, coming from Japan, the food's <laughs> not as good as what you're going to get in Japan, yeah. as you know. Um but what I like I live in the Midwest, I live in Indiana Indianapolis, what I like is uh, how friendly and open and how encouraging American people are, I never met a people that give me so much confidence within myself when I, in racing been around American people American team owners, American drivers they're so nice to me in a nice way and they have no uh, they don't try and mess you around anything like that they really do support you and i really respect them for the for that you know no other country i've been to in racing or elsewhere have people been so friendly and welcoming to me so i have the utmost respect respect for america and the opportunity america and american people have given me
0: I, I i i i share those same sentiments i came here when i was six years old so i've been living here all my life but uh yeah, very supportive in everything that I do. I would work. say all
1: of America is like that, but at least the Midwest where I live uh, Well, mid-
0: Midwest, I mean, you have very, very down to earth, you know, comforting, exactly. laid back. Very nice people. Yeah.
1: Very nice people. I'm very happy living here. It's so interesting. When I go back to London, London's one of the best cities in the world. But since I've been going, I've been going back lately every now and then to see my family. And I'm just like, you know what? i can't stand this place after one week. Just people are just so fake and like so materialistic. And you know all my friends here—they're such good people—and you know they like me for me. And they, when they got to know me, they didn't know I was a driver or anything like that. Yeah. But, but you know, a lot of them took me in, like I, you know, and they—they—they they, they showed me this place, and they—I lived with a lot of my friends for a while, and they were such like brothers to me, you know. And I really, 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 really happy. That's really, awesome.
0: What do you miss the most outside of family in a, in the UK?
1: nothing to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, you know, America America really is better when I first came to America I didn't like it as much but now I've been living here longer and longer I like it a lot it really is a land of opportunity it really is amazing nothing like and you know what's weird when I went to Europe uh, the media portrayed it to be a lot more I'm not saying there's no racism in America but they portrayed it to be a lot more racist and have a lot more problems them what it actually does when i lived here look i've been here for a year and a half i never once had anything where i felt uncomfortable from a racial point of view yeah um, but when i was in europe or even japan uh there were some situations very quickly where i could tell that people had a problem with me they wouldn't say it but i could tell that they had a problem with me great right. um so so yeah i like america
0: yeah, nice. Very nice. Uh, do you miss the home food or your mom's cooking?
1: I, so, all my friends are, most of my <laughs> friends are Desi. So, I just go to their houses.
0: Very nice. But I
1: do miss my, nothing, no one cooks like your mother. I miss my mom anyway. Yeah. And my dad. But, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a good friends group here. And I just, actually just came from my friend's house eating a Nihari, actually. So, I was really happy.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Uh, top hobbies. What do you like to do? Uh,
1: Outside of racing. Outside of racing, uh, I do. I like training in the heat. A lot of running. Uh, what else do I like to do? I like to help out with my friends. Uh, my friend's uh, dad has got like a restaurant, and sometimes for fun we deliver pizzas. Just for why not? <laughs> and uh, what else would I like to do? I'm basically my dad's secretary because my dad's not very good at uh, technology. I help him out uh here and there together and both my parents actually so i do that too and but other than that you know the biggest thing i've learned in sport you have to really dedicate everything of your life to it and every day you have to be living breathing and eating racing and yeah. you have to be your mind has to be always onto it and that's what works for me so i'm always thinking about it always doing something to improve myself to become a better racing driver you know whether watching tv TV about it or, or training more or, you know, resting more, you know, any little thing I can find, I'm always trying to do.
0: So your next race, uh, I see is in Toronto, right? That's going to be on uh, July 15th through 17th. Um, exactly. how is the prep going for that?
1: Well, it's a new track for me. It's a street circuit. Don't mm. know it. Uh, the best prep I can do is watch videos, memorize it in my head. And to be honest, um, I'm working even harder than I did for the last weekend to prepare for this race. Uh, and I've just got to have again, calculated aggression because you know, you want yeah. to be quick to get up to speed on a street circuit, but on a street circuit it's very easy to crash because the walls are so close. So you, you've got to have controlled aggression again and really, and put it on the line when it matters.
0: Absolutely. Just like in other formula uh, championships, is this basically a points total that uh, is the determining factor of the champion of this series? Exactly. Okay. Um,
1: unfortunately, this year, earlier in the year, I had a few crashes and in incidents where I got zero points. So right now, I'm trying to make that deficit back. Uh, and also, there's been a lot of situations where I was very close to winning races or qualified on the front row many, many times. But always something's happened, whether I've made a mistake or other things out of my control where we didn't end up getting the win and there's been many situations like that. So I hope in the last few races, God willing that I can get my first win of the season. It's been a long time coming, you know, Awesome. uh, if it does happen. Yeah. So let's see.
0: Um, Any message to our fellow uh, Pakistanis Desi community out there in the U S and Canada?
1: No, I I would really love all of you guys, uh, South Asians to support me, uh, to follow my career, my journey in the United States. You know, I hope to be here for a very long time. And inshallah, I hope that you guys can, when I do my first Indianapolis 500, I would love to see a grandstand full of Desi's, man. That would be so fun. You know, yeah. I my first Indianapolis 500. <laughs>
0: Trust me, count me, and I will certainly be there with the you flag. Do. I will be there. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, any, any messages for young kids who are looking at this and saying, wow, this guy, you know, he's doing so well, um, started off go-karting and they have a passion, desire for racing. What can they do and what can, what's the takeaway that you can tell them?
1: You have to, I, I wasn't a tough kid growing up, but you have to learn in any, what I've learned in life, in any sport or any business you're going to do, you have to learn to be tough. It doesn't matter who you were or how you grew up. You build that mental resilience. And when you build that mental resilience, you learn how to uh, enjoy the failures. Uh, That's the biggest thing I learned. You always in life want to be level-headed and uh, be um, balanced. So when things go well, I've had many successes in my life. uh, Important is not to get too excited or happy about. But what I've learned uh, recently as I've got older is to enjoy um, the, 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 the failures as well. And how I learned that was when I was doing Ramadan and I was fasting, when you fast, you obviously are very hungry and thirsty. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to eat and drink something. And I'm going to feel way better, you know, because you get headaches, all this stuff. And then when I was breaking my fast and eating and drinking finally, um, I didn't actually feel that much better within myself. Obviously, I was not hungry anymore, but I didn't feel better mentally. Mm. And then that weird analogy made me realize that, oh, you know, what's the point on feeling unhappy when I'm going through the journey, when when I get to the top of the journey, and to the end, I probably won't feel any different or better than what I feel now. So rather than thinking about the future, let's enjoy the journey and enjoy the failures, the, the highs, the lows, and just live it, really live it. And I've learned to do that. Because when I was younger, without realizing my mind was always in the future. And that's very detrimental. You want to always be in the present and enjoy what you're doing, whether it no matter how bad or how sometimes it really looks like that there's no way out. Trust me, yeah. there's always like had the, I've had so many of these moments where you just don't know how the hell you're gonna do something <laughs> or even race anymore. But uh, where there's a will, there's a way, and there's always a way. I've always learned that too.
0: They always say, man, life is a uh, it's not a it's a destination. It's like a stop and a start, but uh, it's the journey, the the pitfalls yeah. and up and downs, which is the most. That's the thing which you have that's to savor. Great. Yeah, you have to you have to enjoy that. So. Awesome. Well, Inam, I I wish you all the best uh, in the streets of Toronto and the subsequent races. Uh, I think it's leading up to what, Labor Day, second week of September when the series ends.
1: All these American holidays, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: the Indy Pro 2000, I think, concludes in Indianapolis um, after September 4th. But uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, Thank you for making the time to come out and uh, speak to us. Really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: To follow Inam Ahmed on social media, you can catch the latest happenings on his YouTube channel and view his upcoming racing schedule in the podcast description links.